have your Bibles, I'd like to turn to Psalms chapter 25. I want to thank the worship team for being so sensitive to what God is doing. And um, I love uh, singing songs about what God has done for us, right? Praise. And then I also love the vertical worship as well, which is honoring him for who he is, for his character. And um, his character is written all over creation. We see little bits and pieces of who God is. And, and of course, we have the Bible that helps to reveal this great God that we serve. And truly, why we're here is to learn more about what God has for us, right? His will, but also to learn more about who God is, right? A deeper revelation of who God is. And I would say this, that the greatest revelation, the, the greater your revelation grows, the less hold that problems and issues and situations around us has on us, right? It must be why all the scriptures are replete with, with trust in me, right? Amen. Psalms 25, 8 through 10. In the New Living Translation, it says this. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. So here we have this intro into our series called The Goodness of God. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing the goodness of God and the quality of the goodness of God and how it impacts our lives and how through that, salvation is available to us. Salvation in any form, salvation from our bills, salvation from healing, salvation from spiritual illness, right? Salvation from past regrets that we have. And how God can step in, and because of the goodness of God, he begins to pour out his blessings. Amen? Let's pray. Precious Father, thank you again so much for allowing us to just entertain your presence today. We honor you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you have a seat? Amen. Amen. So I was thinking a little bit about the goodness of God and of course, I can think of what God does and how he steps into our lives at oftentimes. I think if there's any time that if I were to say, hey, listen, do we have a testimony of what God has done? I believe that in a congregation this size, we could be here for hours, maybe all day, maybe even days of what God has done and how he stepped into our life. And he has inadvertently, well, on purpose, he has changed the outcome of what was destined to be, perhaps. God is amazing. God is powerful. I was reading some, more, um, some stories of interactions such as the goodness of God being shown. Um, the story of uh, Emperor Charles V was trying to assassinate John Brenz. Uh, he was a friend of Martin Luther, and uh, hearing of the plot, Brenz barely had time to grab a local loaf of bread, bread and, and duck into uh, a neighbor's loft, and he hid there for 14 days. 
The bread was quickly gone, but the Lord sent a hen who showed up every single day and deposited one egg for each of the 14 days. In this way, Brens was kept alive. On the 15th day, the chicken didn't come. And the reformer worried what he would do. But from the street below came the cries, the Calvary men are gone at last. God knew, and the goodness of God used a chicken. In case you're picking it up, since we're in into livestock and animals, let's here's another one. Similar way, a, a dog provided for the needs of another reformer, John Craig who was arrested during the Inquisition, and on the eve of his scheduled execution, Craig escaped, but while fleeing, fleeing through the Italian back country, he ran out of food and money. Suddenly, a dog approached him, a purse in its mouth. Craig tried to drive the animal away, but the dog persisted in bringing the purse to Craig. It was in that purse was enough money to take him to freedom. Sounds like the beginning of a joke. A chicken, a dog, and a spider web. Oh, I haven't told you that yet. Robert Bruce, Robert Bruce of Scotland was running for his life, fleeing persecutors. He ducked into a small cave for a spider, and there a spider immediately appeared and spun a web over the opening. Bruce's pursuers fanned across the landscape knowing he was near and two of them approached the cave and, and one of the men started to go in and the other one stopped and said he could never have been in that one because he would have broke the spider's web. Bruce is noted to breathe the prayer, oh God, I thank thee that in the tiny bowels of a spider you can place for me, a shelter. See, when I talk about the goodness of God or I even look up the good in the Bible, it's over 775 times in the King James Version, over 775 times good is mentioned. That means that <laughs> that's two good per day, right? 365 days, right? When we begin to look at the goodness of God, I think there are many times that we overlook the quality that God has of being good as being our salvation. That many times we are looking for the nuts and bolts, and the nuts and bolts has to be that I get a check in the mail or, or that uh, uh, my health is, is taken care of because of the surgeon. And, and I'm, not, I'm not going against all that, but I'm telling you that the goodness of God is what causes change and power and empowerment in our lives as God's people and to this world. Hmm. There are many stories, facts of the goodness of God which have radically changed someone's life, which has in turn spilled over and affected the lives around us. I'm talking about the power of God's goodness and its effect in this world and in our lives. 
We're going to discuss that over the next couple of weeks. I, I love the scripture in Psalms 149. You might want to mark this down, highlight it, and maybe possibly put it on your mirror in the morning. You can read it. It says this, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works. Skipping, skipping down to verse 16, it says, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about God or in Psalms 127, 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The Bible is filled with these kind of scriptures that talk about the goodness of God. The goodness of God, uh, Aiden uh, Wilson Tozer said this, the goodness of God is infinitely more wonderful than we will ever be able to comprehend. Wow. And because of his goodness, we're empowered. Because of his goodness, we can do amazing things. Because of his goodness, we can be cleansed from all sin and impurity. It's amazing. We can forgive because of the goodness of God. We can apologize because of the goodness of God. We can overcome because of the goodness of God. We can be faithful because of the goodness of God. We can laugh because of the goodness of God. We can mourn because of the goodness of God. We can learn. We can sacrifice. We can heal because of the goodness of God. We can wait because of the goodness of God. We can love because of the goodness of God. And we can trust because of the goodness of God. God's goodness is a changing agent whenever it is introduced into a situation or life have you ever heard the statement if god is so good why is there evil in the world ever heard that statement now this is usually stated by someone who rejects there being a god and of course we know the answer to this we have free will and in order to exercise free will we have to have the ability to choose or determine to take action or counter to God's plans and desires. But free will is. And God wanted that because he wanted us to be able to choose our relationship with him. So if we have the ability to choose through our free will, then love is real. But right? it's not coerced, right? And that also means that the absence of love can happen. That means that there can be evilness. There can be self-centeredness. There can be desires and lusts that lead us down a path away from God's plan. But let's look at another question. Here's another question. If there is no God, why is there so much good in the world? 
there was this article on this topic of the goodness of God, and it was talking to the evidence and that he exists, and it's by Randy Alcorn. And Randy said, he said, I heard Christopher Hitchens say in the debate, the world looks as if it would if there was no God. But if there were no God, would you really expect the world to look like it does? I don't think so. Randy went on to say, where does goodness come from? How could it come from nothing? Why would people have such a strong sense of right and wrong? Why would the powerful sometimes sacrifice their life to save the weak, the handicapped, and the dying? He goes on, he says, evolution can explain greed. It can explain selfishness, insensitivity, survival, preoccupation, and even a certain amount of ruthlessness. But does anyone in the blind evolutionary process explain demonstrating kindness, putting others people others first, and even risking your life to help a stranger? If so, what? How much good should we expect to see in an impersonal, self-generated world where molecules, chemicals, and natural forces thrive? A system that operates on brute strength, genetic superiority, and the survival of the fittest can explain and justify racism, sexism, and oppression. It says, but it cannot explain goodness, kindness, humility, compassion, mercy, especially when exercised on the weak and on the dying. What should surprise atheists is not the powerful people crush those weaker than themselves. That would be entirely natural. The surprise is that powerful people would sacrifice their welfare to aid the weak, and yet that very thing often happens. Why? Mother Teresa, she said this. If you can't feed a hundred people, start with one. There was this moment in uh, December of uh, 2007 that uh, Starbucks, somebody was going through Starbucks and paid for the person behind them. It ended up that 500 people had their drinks paid for. How does that happen? Where does that come from? I'm telling you it comes from God. We know that we kind of spiral by ourselves, left our own devices, we spiral into a place of uncertainty and pain and suffering, and, and, and it's, it's horrible. And I'm telling you that the world needs to witness the goodness of God. And we as God's people have to be a witness of the goodness of God. Baker Illustrated Dictionary said this. Evil came into the world when Adam and Eve looked to something in creation instead of God as the source of ultimate good. 
Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. I, I just want to read this. And I, I want to show you kind of what's happening. And I, I know I'm taking a little bit time setting up what I'm talking about. But I think we need to recognize that the absence of the goodness of God causes everything to spiral out of control. It's the goodness of God that brings everything together. So watch this. They're in, uh, they're in the, the garden, and uh, there's amazing things happening, and they have all their needs taken care of. And here is the moment when the serpent, right, Satan, who is dressed as a serpent or he comes in, in the form of a serpent, and he comes, and he comes to uh, sow a seed of discontent and of faithlessness. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field with the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Simple question. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat and nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now watch Eve's response. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now remember, she'd already had food every other tree. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave her husband with her and he ate. And notice something here that when we're talking about, the Bible talks about that, that we have these, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life that those are the things that are within our sinful nature that draw us away from God. They cause discontent, they cause pain, suffering, and they put us in situations that put us below God's plan for our lives. And so here he says, one, that, that she had a desire for herself. That's the lust of the flesh. Looks good for food. And she thought it was pleasant to the eyes, which is the lust of the eye. I want something that is... That is not mine. And finally, the pride of life. This is going to make me wise. It wasn't as simple as forbidden fruit. Doing it just because I'm told I can't have it. Or the exercise of our free will. It was a willful attempt to trust our own senses and receive something we perceive more fulfilling than God can offer. I would say this, I would say we get ourselves in trouble when we begin to look to the creation to fulfill our needs rather than God. Right, that, that is where the eroding in our minds of how we see the goodness of God. If we're honest here, if we're open and transparent, I'm not asking you to let me know or raise your hands or flinch. But... I'm sure that whenever you have fallen into sin or into a bad situation in your life, and I think I'm reasonably okay with that because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? I think that you can recognize a couple of those markers where you began to look, oh, if only I could have that 
candy bar that I don't have money for today. Right? And we find ourselves in a situation where we have now fallen into sin. And sin does not suffice. I remember a great time in my life where um, I was really good at pickpocketing. I was a kleptomaniac. Yes, I was. And my name is Robbie out of check. Is that how it goes? I don't know how that was. And so once uh, me and my brother, uh, we went, you know, the guy who preached last week and who's all spiritual and everything. Okay. We went to Target and uh, we saw these two cars. And so we took the cars out and uh, actually it was Kmart. And um, we... Um, took these cars, and I, I know that my parents came out, and they saw us playing with the cars out there, and they're like, where did, what, where did you get that? And we're like, we found it in the, in the parking lot. That's weird. So anyway, all was well. God is good. We have two new cars that we get to play with. And uh, about a year later, um, this had been on my brother's heart because my heart was stony and hard and and uh, he felt guilty, and so I, I remember this day um, so important because uh, we were all going to go to the park that day, and we were going to have a wonderful day, and, and my brother, uh, you know, fell into this moment where he feels like he needs to say he's sorry. So he tells my mom and my dad that he's sorry for taking this car. Now, this, this is a year later. I don't even know where the car's at. Um... So there's plausibility, deniability here that I can put in. <clears throat> and uh, so we're hoping, I mean, and, and the car, too, was 99 cents. That's how much it cost. And this is where my dad came up with this concept of child labor. So we had to clean the garage for the whole day. And then he takes us to Kmart and wants to meet with the manager. <clears throat> the, the manager doesn't know about us. It's probably not even the same manager. You get what I'm saying? This is abuse. <clears throat> is she looking at me? All right. So we go and, and we meet her and, and the, the manager is playing with it. He's like, okay, you know, maybe I should call the cops. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, we're going, <laughs> we're going to jail for a car that I can't find anymore. But it made, it made such a big impression that, that it reminds me that there are times where we are looking at things of this world to kind of fill some sort of hole that only God can fill. And right now, if you look, and, and if I were to begin to go through some of the news uh, uh, stories right now, you would see the confusion that's out there. You would see the people that are doing horrible things because somewhere in their mind they thought this was a good idea and that it would fulfill something. I want you to know the goodness of God is the only thing that can fulfill our needs. Amen. So I think we can relate. I think I think we dealt with these things. Um, uh, Jerry uh, Bridges, he said this. He said, the very first temptation in the history of mankind was the temptation to be discontent. That is exactly what discontent is, a questioning of the goodness of God. 
What God intended, Psalms chapter 8, 1 through 9 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And when I say silence the enemy and the avenger, when I consider your heavens and work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have ordained, watch this, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you have visited him? See, the Psalms just knew right here that, that we're not worth any of this. We're not worth the creation that he sent for us. We're not worth what, what God is doing in this world. We're not worth it. It's only by the goodness of God. He goes on, he says, for you have made them a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned them with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The common denominator in all of this, it is all because of the goodness of God. <laughs> what is God's desire for us? So, so we open up in, in Psalms chapter 25, 8 through 10. And he says, the Lord is good. He does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. See, his goodness is a path to promises. All right, here's a scripture for you, Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to righteousness, repentance, right? What are some of the other goodness of God? What are some of the other gifts that God gives us? He gives us his spirit. We focus so much on the outpouring of God's spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The reason why is not only that it endues us with power so that we can be witnesses, right? So that we can show forth the, the power of God and, and how God can move in our life and change us and, 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 and strengthen us and break the bondage of, of sin against us, right? But also because he gives us the things that only he can give and that we cannot purchase, I'm talking about love, true love. I'm, I'm talking about joy, true joy. I'm talking the joy. I'm, I'm talking about peace, the, the, the peace that passes all understanding, temperance, faith, goodness, kindness, the like, right? That is faith. That's what God does. He's the one that structures the inner person in the man. He's the one that provides these promises. He's the one that provides these gifts for us. Verse 9 of Psalms 25 says he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. See, what I'm saying here is that, that his goodness teaches and reveals his will to the humble. It's because of his goodness that we can follow the will of God. Now, the word for humble is meek, and, and the commentary says the meek, such as meekly submit themselves to God. There's, there's a peace for us. They're desirous to be directed and governed by him. You know why people say, Lord Jesus? Because he says, that's, that's my Lord. That's my master. That's a very personal relationship. 
Alex Haley, the author of Roots, uh, has a picture in his office, and it shows a turtle sitting on top of a fence. The picture is there to remind him of a lesson he learned long ago, that if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know that he had some help getting there. And he says this, he says, anytime I start thinking, wow, isn't it marvelous what I've done? I look at the picture and remember how this turtle, me, got up on the post. You're not here on your own accord, my point. And for us to think the opposite would be foolish. God's goodness establishes us. God's goodness shows us his will. God's goodness leads us. God's goodness is, is the one that, that puts things in our hand to use. One thing I love, 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 love about this church is the generosity in missions. In missions. I love it. I, I love the ability that we have all come together and decided that we're going to support missions. People that won't affect us, but do affect the kingdom, right? And I'm blown away. I'm blown away at what God has put in our hand as a result of us taking care of the kingdom. You've heard the illustration. Don't hold up your hands to God, a fist, trying to hold on to whatever blessing that you have. Because not only will you hold it, but God can't put anything else in. So when we face God, I think it's best in our approach, right? We're talking about humility and meekness and that he is our, our Lord and Savior. Is that we, we approach with our hands wide open, that our hearts wide open. The goodness of God. is a powerful motivator. Psalms 119.68 says, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Throughout the apostles teaching, we are challenged. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 and 15, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. I'm talking about living in the realm of God's goodness. Celebrating, acting it out. And then the, the last scripture, verse 10, it says, the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. See, because of the goodness of God, we can depend on his goodness no matter the plight that we're in. All the dealings of God with them, yea, even those that are afflictive or, or done in kindness and faithfulness to them, the, the goodness of God is full. The scripture that you're all thinking about right now is Romans chapter 8. 
Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Would you stand with me for a second? So as we look to the goodness of God as our salvation today, part that I want you to get is this, is that every person is a potential recipient of God's goodness. And when we look at him for salvation, it underscores his desire to pour out his goodness on us. It's in his character, his DNA to be good in his DNA so when we begin talking about salvation and the forgiveness of sins and, and we start talking about how you can be saved from your sins like this last part of this scripture Psalms illustrating his unfailing love it is because of the goodness of God that we can be free it really has little to do with the sin in our life and the accusations against us and it has more to do with the mercy that he wants to pour out on us. Think about that. Many times the things that separate us from coming to the altar and humbling ourselves to God is many times we think that the things that we hold are too big. Like they outpower God. You ever heard that? When they talk about opposites, I say black, you say white. I say hot, you say cold. I say Satan, and some people say God. He's not an equal. An angel is an equal, but not God. So if we come, understand that his goodness sees you there may be things that have been you've been holding on to for a very long time it could be unforgiveness his goodness empowers you to forgive but his goodness also can take away every sin and regret that you've ever had you're not held for that Today, after the service, after we close, Marta is getting baptized. Amen. We're going to go down to the river, and so I want to invite you to come. But that is an honest attempt to ask God to step into my life. You read a little bit further in this chapter, you would witness the honest and humble approach to God in Psalms 25, 18. It says, look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Skipping down to verse 20, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Aiden Wilson Tozer said this with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare the wisdom of God to plan it and the power of God to achieve it what do we lack surely we are the most 
favored of all creatures. Isn't that true? Today you can depend on the goodness of God to meet you at your seat at this altar. He wants you to witness it firsthand and to be a witness of the power in your life. Let me pray with you. Precious Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can understand and decipher your will, of course, but understand your goodness. God, that you speak to us, that you'd show it to us, Lord God, and that we can rely on it as your people and be a witness of it to this world. You do exist because all goodness comes from you, and we look to you first. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open. If you'd please come, talk to the Lord. Pray your seat if you'd like to. God wants to touch you today. He wants to change you. He wants to fix you today. Jesus' name.